we kind of all liked the song. Uh, I mean, I, not kind of. We all liked the song a lot. Welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all its friends. My name is David. My friend is Aaron. On this week's episode, Aaron is going to be taking you on a deeper dive of the new Stick to Your Guns album, Spectre, which is out now on Pure Noise Records. He's not going to do it on his own, though. He's joined by Jesse Barnett, vocalist of Stick to Your Guns. They touch on each track, as well as talking about how the album got its name and the artwork they settled on, and obviously some uh, rabbit trails and diversions along the way. Before we get into it, though, go follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Growing Punk Pod. You can also support us on Patreon, which is linked in the show notes. A couple bucks a month in general support helps us keep going. We've also got merch available, also linked in the show notes. And uh, wherever you're listening to the podcast, rate it, review it. Tell your friends about it, all that good stuff. But let's not waste any more time. Let's get on with it. This is Aaron's interview with vocalist Jesse Barnett of Stick to Your Guns. So I always like starting with kind of some fun uh, get-to-know-you questions. So what's your first memory of discovering or connecting with punk and hardcore music? I think it was 2000, year 2000 maybe, or, or, or um, maybe 99, I can't remember. Um, I went and saw Propaganda in a Veil at the Glass House. Uh, in I don't know where. Where are you exactly? Where are you located? In Saskatchewan, Canada. So not too far from Winnipeg, where Propaganda is from. Absolutely. So you know the band for sure, but I don't know yeah. if you know the venue. It's a venue called Glass House. Yeah, um, I've but, been there a few times. Oh, awesome, awesome. But yeah, that's uh, that was probably my first. You know, really like, like obviously I had listened to the bands uh, before this, but you know I was I was maybe thirteen years old or fourteen years old, so. I didn't really get to go to shows often, and I wasn't actually allowed to go to that show. But my, you know, I have an older brother who um, took me, um, and so uh, yeah, that was the first time when I walked in there, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's even better than listening to it like on my uh, in my you know in my room or whatever." Um, yeah, it was awesome. That was that was like my favorite, at least. Yeah. Yeah. What year would have that been? I think it was either two thousand or it was ninety nine, something like that. Okay. Yeah, so quite a while ago. I'm not, not sure what album they would have been on then, but that's a pretty sweet uh, first exposure to that kind of music scene. No, for sure. For, you know what, actually? I think it was 2001 because it was the, the um, it was Today's Empire's Tomorrow's Ashes uh, album tour. Album, oh, okay. Album tour, yeah. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite Warp Tour memory? I don't have many because that was not really my scene. Um, oh, okay. I mean, I, I, I went to, I, I think I've only, I only went to one um, and I can't even really remember it. And then I've played three of them and, uh, and it's not even like warp Tour specifically, you know what I mean? It's nothing like that. It's just, I'm not the kind of, I'm not a festival. Okay. I don't enjoy, yeah, I don't, I don't enjoy festivals. Uh, 
I play a lot of them, and, and I've only been to a few of them, but but I, I it's not it, they're not for me. Yeah, is it just like too much going on, or what? What, what do you so. like about it? Yeah, I think so. I think it's just a, it's a tad bit overwhelming for me, and I have a brain that moves a, a tad bit slower than the average person's. So I get I when I when I feel uh, when things start moving a little too quick, or you know, there's too much commotion, I, I tend to get overwhelmed and I get uh, incredibly uncomfortable in my own skin. Yeah, no, that's fair. Well, that, then that yeah. sounds like a terrible place to be then. <laughs> <laughs> What's the first experience or show that made you say, I think we've made it? Um, you know, it's so funny because, it, it, you know, I had so much confidence when I was a lot younger than, I, than, than, than what I do now. It's like I just we just played all these festivals in Europe to like tens of thousands of people. And, you you know, you and you still as, as like an adult who does this for a career, you always have that looming like, you know, like, oh, you bet it's the end is coming soon. So, mm. you know. Like you always just have that there, but when yeah. you're younger, your whole life seems like it's ahead of you. So, so you have, yeah. So I would say like the first moment was honestly something as simple as like playing the chain reaction for the first time where we didn't have to like sell our own tickets. You know what I mean? Like when yeah. we were like invited to play because we were, we had, we had uh value, some sort of perceived value. I don't know by who to, uh, to orange County. So they invited us to play and, you know, I don't know. That was a moment where I was like, "Oh my god, okay, we're we're doing this shit," you know. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Yeah, I, I like that question because there's so many different parameters. You know, some say like playing, you know, download festival to thirty thousand people, and right, and you know, for you, it's playing a really kind of iconic venue that's not that big, but I mean, so many bands have been there and awesome shows, and still to this and, day, and so and that's I just, cool. I just grew up going there. I saw every, I would go to every show possible that I could, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it's like, okay, now I'm, I, I view that. That was like a very, like, that was a big thing. You know, that was a big thing for me. And even on this last run, we just, we just played rock M ring, which is a festival in yep. Europe. That's like, you know, we played to like 90,000 people or something. Yeah, it's it, was, crazy. It, was, it was crazy. And that, that was definitely a, that was a fun moment as well to like play to a sea of, you know what I mean? Like you can't even see the end of it. Like it was like one of those situations and it was just, it was nuts. So, so but, but even the, that, you know, even even that, it's like those those two moments are on like equal level for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> gonna say that maybe even just because it was a festival, it was like you know, awesome show, playing to lots of people, but it's still a festival. I'd rather be playing, you know, a smaller club show kind of thing. No, sure, sure. What's uh, the craziest experience you thought you'd never have as a band, either good or bad? I mean, I wish I had a better. I wish I had a. No, the honest, the honest answer isn't uh, isn't exciting, but honestly, just touring because it's like I remember there. I remember pretty vividly there being a time where I was just like I, I couldn't understand the logistics of touring, so therefore it seemed impossible. For, I'm like, mm. so who? Okay, so the promoter, what they like own the venue? You're like, no, they don't own the venue. It's like, okay, so then why are we talking? You know, like I just didn't. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't. I couldn't comprehend it, and then it's like. It seems someone explained it to me how it happens in one city, and then I'm like, so then how do people do this for whole tours? It seems insane. Yeah. Like I couldn't, I couldn't understand. So once we started touring, and once all that started happening, that was like a, um, that was an experience. Where I was like, oh my god! And then you know, before you know it, you're like touring eight months out of the year. And you're like, holy shit! Yeah. Well, and it's one of those things that until you do it, you don't really understand what goes into it. It's not like you just kind right. of show up and everything falls into place. There's all sorts of managers and booking agents and all these things behind the scenes that make that possible. So it's no cool. for sure. And it's crazy too, because I don't think the average person has any fucking clue what goes into like putting a tour together. You know what I mean? And like yeah. how many, how many people are, are 
required to make that happen. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, yeah, I don't know. I wish people thought of thought of that a little bit more conscientiously, you know, cause it's like, it's a, it's quite a, it's quite an undertaking, you know, and it's, it's, um, I was just talking about this with someone else on, on in another interview interview, but it, I, you know, it's worth bringing up again. It's like, it's, and it's also the only way bands really make money, you know, for sure is, is touring. So it's like, you have this, you, you have all of this work that goes into these tours that, that bands do like, you know, five, six, seven times a year and completely oversaturate the market. And it's just like, it's just chaos. It's fucking chaos. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, well, well, speaking on that, what's what's a band you haven't toured with yet that you would love to? Honestly, it's propaganda. You know what I mean? I never thought that that, that day would come, but it's, it seems more and more um, uh, likely. Um, I mean, maybe not so much anymore because, like, I know, like, I know, like, Chris, the singer, is, like, a dad. Um, and, you know, other other people in the band might be as well, so I don't know. But I, I do know that they're very, they're very... Uh, Selective and... Yeah, very selective and, and just very, you know, uh, it's few and far between on, on their on their touring. So maybe just because of scheduling shit, maybe that I could see maybe that not happening, but I would love to I'd love to play the propaganda. Yeah, well they're one of those bands. I mean, they're only six hours from where I live and I feel like they've played here like twice in the last <laughs> twenty years or something. I mean, it's been so long since I've seen them. I think they were supposed to play here in May and then it was cancelled from COVID stuff. I don't know that it was ever rescheduled or not. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, so I guess there's lots of things that go into that. Um, The last one is, what's one standout person you've been able to work with in some capacity? So it could be a producer, a creative artist, videographer. Sure, sure. I mean, I think for me, definitely like like working with John Feldman on our album Mm. Disobedient. That was one that I never thought I would be able to do. You know, Um, so that was kind of like a special moment. But also working with Bill Stevenson. You know what I mean? Like that was. Yeah, exactly. It's like working with both of them have been like two things where I was just like, damn, this is this is really crazy. And they both have kind of they both actually kind of have very similar styles of working in in in, in terms of like in regards to like they're 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 both just so fucking chaotic. You know what I mean? And it like pulls it kind of pulls something out of me that's that I I, I think is cool. So working with both of them was was really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, are either of those guys that you would go back to if you had the opportunity? Bill, we've done two records with, so we're probably I feel like we got what we needed to experience out of him. Yeah. Um and and honestly him as well, like for us because we're not really his like lane, you know, so to speak. Yeah. Like we're tat we're a little bit heavier than what he he generally does. Um and when I say a little bit, I mean a lot of it, but yeah. um, I would say similar for Feldman too in some ways. Sure, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, but probably not. Like the 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 experience with Feldman was like mixed with the band, okay. and he kind of he kind of we I think we both got off on a sour foot like to each other, and then it got to the point where we almost ended up like just walking away from the situation. Mm. And then Feldman took me out to like a like a lunch or something, and was like, "Look, dude, you guys were probably expecting me to come in here and be able to push the producer around." And he's like, "That's he's like that's not." that's not how it's going to go. He's like, you're here to get something out of me and I'm here to get something out of you. And he's like, so that's what we're going to do no matter how uncomfortable it is. So he's like, just give me a week of trying it my way. Like just do, just do exactly how I want to do it. And if you guys hate it, then we'll, we'll, let's go different ways. He's like, but you got to try, you know? And I I had a lot of respect for that conversation Mm because it was like, he he called it, you know what I mean? That's what we do. We, 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 
we go like, oh, we're going to go with this producer. But it's like, do we actually listen to the producer? It's like more often than not, we don't. So it's like, you know, uh, it's it's it, he, he called it. He called it. He's just like, I'm not going to I'm not going to budge. You know what I mean? I'm going to we're going to do we're going to try this shit my way. So, yeah. yeah. And that's kind of similar to touring. That's another, um, you know, kind of battle or balance that most people don't understand you know like the band's going in you know you've got your experience your sound you've written these songs the producers coming into it thinking like this band is coming to me because of what i do and sometimes that can work really well and sometimes that just kind of clashes and it's so yeah i'm glad you guys are able to uh, kind of work that out no for sure for sure so yeah, talking about the new album, I would love to um, kind of get um, some thoughts on the artwork and title. Um, so the title is Spectre, and uh, I'm not sure what that means, so I'd, lo- I'd love sure. to hear kind of why you picked that, and uh, yeah, some meaning behind the artwork too. It's really cool. It kind of looks almost like an old photocopied zine or something from back in the day, and w- which yeah. I really like. It's kind of a really striking image. So yeah, what can you uh, share about that? Sure. So yeah, that's definitely kind of like, you know, I, I kind of wanted to, um, normally, normally when sick to your gun does artwork, I, I generally like to portray some sort of like, there's supposed to be some sort of metaphor, you know what I mean? Like, it's like the, the artwork is supposed to be like this like metaphorical thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or whatever. And I, and I like that kind of shit, but I think it was, for me, it was, it was kind of, I wanted to do something that's a tad bit more intentional where it's not necessarily, um, I wanted to portray how the, this the album is supposed to sound. I want it to be mean and I wanted it to be, I wanted it to be hard and I wanted it to look like dangerous. You know what I mean? So uh, that's kind of the, the, the direction, uh, art direction wise, that was kind of what I, what I was looking for. Um, as far as the, as far as the, uh, the name of the, the album, it, it, so I, I'm, I'm a socialist. Uh, and we, we're, we're like a left-leaning political band of yeah. social and, uh, you know, of, of, of one of the most so- famous socialist texts of all time. The first line of that, uh, text is there is a specter haunting Europe. Um, and so that's, that's where the homage comes from for the album name. Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like with, uh, um, yeah, with the artwork where it matches, cause I don't think that happens that often where the artwork kind of matches you know the sound uh maybe more so in punk and hardcore like kind of depending on um which is one reason why i love you know artwork in this type of scene because it does have a bit more emotion than you know just a picture of you know the pop singer on the cover or or whatever it is right like it there is something striking about it and i think that does fit with the type of band you guys are because it is very striking and uh yeah there's just lots to kind of um dive into with that when you guys write are you you know do you typically just try to come up with as many ideas as possible or do you kind of try to stick to, you know, here's the 10, 12 songs you want to have. Let's just pour everything into this. What does that process look like for you guys, especially, you know, with this being your seventh album, I think? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, the first, the first like four or def- were or, or maybe three were definitely just like, oh, okay, how long is an album? All right, eleven songs. Okay, cool. We'll write eleven songs. You know what I mean? Like that's what it was. Yeah. And then as you, as you get older, you start you start going like, okay, well maybe it's best to like over be overly prepared and then just pick from a giant pool. Um, and that's like, and then and then once you start working with producers, should that be something you want to do? 
you know, I think it's best to kind of sit down with the producer and kind of ask them what they want to do. Cause I feel like every producer is a little bit different. Um, I know John wanted to have like a gigantic pool. John Feldman mm, wanted to have yeah. a gigantic pool of songs where like Bill Stevenson was a little bit more like, I don't, whatever, whatever you got is fine. And then like for this dude, Drew, the uh, wizard blood, the guy who we went to for the last record, he, um, he, uh, he, he kind of wanted some m- more songs to choose from as well. So I think we, we probably had about 15, 16, 17, something like that. And we chose, you know, whatever it is, 11. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, no, I'm sure, especially after you've done it, you know, so many times you get better at knowing, you know, what's going to stick, what you guys are really into. And um, right. yeah, you, you just, you hear it so much where bands are like, Oh yeah, we had like 50 songs written for this. And it's just like that almost just, I mean, it's good to have that much creativity going and that much to pull from, but it also seems like it's like, well, how do you actually pull that down to, you know, 10, 12 songs when you have so much going on? And yeah, like you said, is it the band picking what they like or is it a producer picking what they think is going to fit best? And so, yeah, it's just always interesting hearing how, how different bands kind of piece that together. Are there songs on this album that you instantly fell in love with and that you knew would be on the album? The one I feel like that that's the easiest to highlight is that song "Open Up My Head" that we just released mm-hmm. because we 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 kind of all liked the song. Uh, I mean, I, not kind of. We all liked the song a lot. Yeah. Um, but we just were all, we were kind of questioning if a band like us was going to be able to pull it off because it's not generally the stylistically uh, how we are or what is ex- I, I guess or, or or I guess what I should say what is expected of us. Hey, goodbye. 
we knew the song was good and we knew it had legs and we knew that we were genuine about it but i think there was a lot of kind of like discussion over like our people like how is this going to be received you know what i mean um and uh you start to worry about that shit a lot more the older the older you you get not not even older as a person but more so like older as like your your band gets older you know what i mean because you feel almost like like i'm we're we're all very self-aware like metalcore bands like the shelf life on those bands are not very long you know what i mean they come and they kind of they come and they kind of go and so the fact that we've been able to last for as long as we have, like almost two decades, it's like, it's awesome. And it's like an accomplishment that I can't even, I can't even, I, I, I'm almost just like, how did we get, how did we get here? You know what I mean? Like, how did we make that happen? But then again, like I said, you, you, you feel like, okay, well, you, you have to be, you start to get in a little bit more calculated with your, with your moves because like, you want to make sure that you can get more out of it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. And, and, and again, not more out of it just for the sake of doing it, because I know plenty of people who are in bands. I mean, I tour, we, we tour all the time with, with so many different kinds of bands and there are bands who just don't even like doing it, you know, and you, and you can tell, you know what I mean? Like they don't want to be on tour. They don't want to write albums, they don't, but they're just doing it because they're just kind of like, well, I don't have anything else to do. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's like at that point, it's like, why are you doing it? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I stick to your guns. We've been able to last for 20 years because it's always been important to us. You know what I mean? And it's always something that we've, we've, we want to do. And I think that is kind of the, that's the tell, that's the telling sign. If, if it starts to turn into something that you don't want to do anymore, then maybe you should consider either like pulling back or, or like, I mean, straight up just not doing it anymore. If that's, if that's what your kind of soul is telling you. But I think for us, we've been able to kind of like continually put out like, uh, music that kind of resonate with people because we are we ourselves are still invested in it you know what i mean yeah for sure yeah no that, that makes a, again a huge difference in the overall the lasting value the content it's it's kind of crazy that there are bands that just do it to do it it seems like such a hard thing to just do but i mean i guess depending on the size of the band and you know maybe the money you're making or whatever but you know to be away from home and it, it seems like it's a, a pretty hard thing to fake, but I don't know. Maybe there's enough bands that are able to pull it off these days with social media and image and all that kind of stuff. But oh yeah, it's an incredibly easy thing to fake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But it's uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's all good. Yeah, so I, I kind of wanted to just go through each of the tracks of the song, and um, I'll kind of share a few thoughts on each, and then maybe you can, you know, share anything about you know the creative process or the recording, lyrical or musical inspiration, challenges, kind of anything that comes to mind from from each of the songs. Kind of a fun way to uh, to touch on each of the songs. Um, so the first one is "My Heart Is a Dot Dot Dot." I love how this album starts with that opening intro. It really makes me anticipate what's coming next. Um, from sure. a kind of a sequencing aspect, what makes you put this, you know, as a separate track, you know, rather than just adding into the beginning of the next song? Or how did this um, come into play? This this intro. Yeah, sure. I mean, we even thought about that. Like, what if this is just the intro of the song? Like, why have an intro? And I, I just thought I just started thinking about like the the re listenability of Weapon, the song Weapon. It's yeah. like. If every time you want to go back and, and listen to it again, you have to listen to this like 45 second uh, intro, it might be, it might lose, it, it might, we, it might start losing its charm. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. That's kind of what we thought about because we knew we wanted to kind of like open the album with weapon, but we didn't, we, we didn't feel it was appropriate for that to be just like straight up track one right off the bat, or, or at least there was some debate about it. And so I think where we all landed on was like, let's try to do this intro that works with weapon. Um, 
and then uh, that's kind of what we came up with. And so, yeah, they're definitely a package deal. You know what I mean? And, and that's why, uh, you know, the names kind of go together as well. Right. So. so was this intro written kind of together with Weapon or was it after? Or when yeah, did it, was, those kind of... it, it was a bit of an afterthought for sure. Yeah. No, well, I mean, it kind of has to be if it's going to fit unless you have it right away. And um, yeah, so a track two is Weapon. So, you know, my heart is a weapon. Um, The first single and video released for the album and a great first look and listen to the album. Song has a classic stick to your gun sound, fast paced and urgent, yet melodic and catchy. This song had me hooked right away, which I always love. Uh, What do you remember about the creative process of the song? Uh. I remember that my heart is a weapon being like uh, a filler line. You know what I mean? Like that was like a line that wasn't even supposed to be like necessarily like the highlight of the song. Mm. Um, and then drew the, the producer was like, are you out of your fucking mind? He's like, you can print that on like, that's like a, you know, what we call a t-shirt worthy line. Like yeah, that's yeah. a line. You know what I mean? Like that's the one, that's the line everyone wants to sing. And so I attribute very much attribute him to like kind of seeing that. Cause to me, to me, it was almost like, I don't want to, I mean, it's a bit corny, you know what I mean? But it's like, it kind of knows that it is, you know what I'm saying? So I, that's why I kind of tried to be like, I like the line and I like what it represents, but I, I guess I tried to like subconsciously like hide it in the song instead of highlight it. And then it was Drew that was like, nah, man, you got, he's like, you just got to, it's just, it's, he felt it was really anthemic, you know what I mean? And, and I think, I think ultimately he was very right. Yeah. How did you guys pick this song as uh, the first single to release for the album? So just that kind of encompassed everything that right. people might expect right. from you guys. One hundred percent. You 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 nailed it with your with your own uh, analysis that you did. It was like it we, it was. It's just such a it's just such a stick to your gun song. And so the fact that like we were coming back and we were coming like out of this like weird. I I don't want to call it post pandemic, but like the fact that you know shows are starting to come back and we were yeah. going to start being. And we felt like it was a pretty good move to like give people like something pretty classic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did you ever think, oh, maybe we should just come out of the gate with something more unexpected since it's been a while? Or is that too, uh, too we risky? Definitely thought about, we definitely thought about that. I mean, we thought about like, what if we just came out of the gate with like open up my head? But we figured that like that might send the wrong message that like, yeah. oh, we're we're trying to be like just a straightforward rock band now or whatever. And we didn't, we felt like that could possibly turn people off. And so we were just like, you know, we, we just figured we'd go classic, but yeah, there was definitely talks about like opening it up in different ways. But I think ultimately we, we thought the smart move was to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it does seem a little bit more common now when, um, you know, bands are, you know, progressing their sound a bit more, you know, to put out kind of that weird single first and, you know, Often you'll see it's like, oh, they, they release all the singles as like the lighter songs, but there's lots of heavy tracks on the album or whatever. And so I, I can kind of see how it can go both ways. It can be pretty risky. Maybe you're going to lose people, but maybe you'll gain a whole other set of fans, you know, and then bring the old school people back. But yeah, yeah. Well, that, that works. Uh, number three is Who Dares? So the song starts with a quote from a TV show or of some kind. Uh, what is that clip from and why does that stand out? Why did you pick that? Yeah, sure. So that's uh, from an album, uh, a live album of uh, an artist named Utah Phillips. He's a uh, he's kind of like a Wobblies type of guy. He's like a he's a working class, like labor union uh, unionizing kind of like Woody Guthrie type of like, uh, you know, pro worker songs and uh, that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, that's what we that's what we were trying to portray in the song as well. You know, it's like um, people kind of just standing up to to. Um, to their bosses because bosses rob you. And so it's like, no matter, no matter, no matter what it is, your job. 
no matter what your job is. So, um, yeah. And so that's, that's what we, we felt like, um, it would be, it'd be kind of funny to borrow that, uh, that clip and, and use it in the, in the song. No, it's awesome. Yeah, the song has one of my favorite choruses on the album. It's a really upbeat and melodic. However, soon after that first chorus, the song uh, really takes a turn into the heavy, and I yeah, I love that. Kind of catches you oh. off guard a bit. Oh yeah. Track four is "Hush," maybe the heaviest song on the album. Very hardcore sounding. Uh, how do you guys find the balance between heavy and melodic when writing and creating? Is there like a tension with that? Are you trying to have you know? certain sounds or a certain amount of songs with certain sounds or is it a bit more natural at this point yeah it's a bit more natural at this point we feel like we found like a threshold because sometimes there can be too much of like a a juxtaposition you know what i mean like you want to be able to find the medium like you can't mix like cannibal corpse and fucking like you know like uh oasis or whatever or maybe yeah, you yeah. could I, I don't <laughs> but you know what i mean it's like you want to find that that like you want to make sure you're not being too polarizing just because it sounds a little too like um it just sounds a little like too much you know what i mean and it's like you know like do you know that band maximum the hormone uh no I don't you should check idea. they're like a japanese like proggy metal they're they're i honestly don't know how to explain them they're the mm, craziest interesting but um and they're cool and because that's what they're trying to do but yeah you want to find that you know, we always say like we're trying to be hate breed mixed with Rise Against. Yeah, and love that. Like that's always what we're trying to. F- we're always trying to find that medium where it doesn't get too heavy. And a song like Hush, we knew right away. Like we we can't add anything melodic to this. It's just too goddamn like brutal to 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 add any any kind of melody. You know. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, track number five, A World to Win. I love how the song starts with the guitar and vocals starting off the song in a way that leads uh, the listener to anticipate a big anthemic song, which the song uh, totally delivers. Uh, what do you remember about uh, the creative process of, of this song? And that, that you know, it's funny you bring that up because that's almost the, you know, the the yin to the yang or whatever, you however you want to say it. But because that song's so melodic that we felt like, you know, you, you can't really just add a fucking heavy breakdown in here out of nowhere. So we were just like, okay, well, that one's going to kind of stay upbeat and that one's just kind of kind of stay uh, anthemic, you know what I mean? Because of how melodic it is. Yeah. Track number six, Open Up My Head. So yeah, you kind of uh, touched on this. It has a very kind of 90s-esque kind of grunge feel to it with an overall darker sound and aesthetic. Uh, the music video also helps to give a kind of a, a better picture of what the song is about. Um, how did this song come about kind of musically? So you kind of said you were, you know, exploring some different sounds. And what about this type of sound kind of draws you in? Yeah, it was cool just because it was a riff that Josh, our guitar player Josh, would just like sound, kind of sound check with that opening riff, that that grungy kind of like, you know, that like those big power chords or whatever. Yeah. And I was always just like, man, I love that. Like, it's just so catchy. Um, and then he was like, we should try to, let's see if we can pull that off. And that's, that's, that's basically what, what open up my head is. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Is that one that you guys plan to like play live on upcoming Def- tours? Definitely. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, it, it's cool. You know, you'll get to see what, uh, you know, responses or kind of how it feels live. And then maybe, you know, who knows what that will kind of progress into maybe a bit more in the future. I feel like, you know, the influence from the nineties, you know, maybe it's always there. I mean, I, I'm a nineties kid too. And so yeah, exactly. as soon as those sounds come on, it just like pulls me in, even though yeah. I know yeah. it's not like, you know, 
that you guys aren't that type of band, but it's like, okay, I know they're going to do something cool with it because, right. you know, it's a cool band. And, um, yeah, it just seems like it's a, there are more bands kind of pulling from that now and, and refreshing it a bit. I mean, it's been long enough, even though it doesn't feel that long ago to me, but <laughs> no, you know, for sure. For sure. I'm, I'm sure a lot of your younger listeners, I mean, they, they might not know that, you know, those type of references or whatever. So it'll be cool to see what the reaction is for a song like that. Right. I agree. Track number seven, Liberate. The song ends with a clip of a quote again. Um, how, do, how does that quote fit into this song? So yeah, that, that quote is actually by a, uh, a revolutionary leader named Thomas Sankara, and the song is actually kind of inspired uh, by him. Um, and yeah, so he was, a, uh, he was kind of like a pan-Africanist socialist leader in, uh, in, in, in Africa, and he, I, uh, he's one of my favorite and uh, you know, one of my role models, and so uh, that's kind of what the song is about. We figured it was uh, appropriate to end the the track with uh, this kind of quote uh, by him. Yeah, when, when you're creating songs, you know, like this, are you thinking when you're when you're writing it, like, okay, like a quote would be cool from this, and then you know, does something pop in your head right away, or does it come afterwards, or how do you kind of you know mix some of these things together? In all different ways, definitely. Because sometimes, like sometimes, a quote can be for me, especially because we. I mean, stick to your guns is like we use the hell out of quotes, like we always have. Um, and uh, sometimes a quote can, to me can be so powerful that it inspires a song in and of itself. So sometimes I can listen to a quote and be like, "Oh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write a song about this subject matter." You know what I mean? And then sometimes it comes afterwards, and then sometimes, like in this case, it was easy because it was inspired by a specific person. So it was just a matter of like, okay, which which quote do I want to use by by this person? You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. I can still remember. Like it might have been Good Riddance the first time I heard you know, a quote of some kind being added into a song. Like before, you know, I listened to punk, it was just, you know, rock or alternative or whatever. And I, I don't really recall that being a part of it. So I remember the first time being like, oh, like, okay, that's, you know, it just opened my mind to something different. And then you look into it, and it's like, well, who is this person? Or what is this quote yeah. from? You know, is it a movie or is it, you know, some other um, historical figure or something? And it kind of opens up your your eyes and mind to, other influences versus just playing fast punk music, you know, 100%. And it it opens up a whole new world for the listeners. Like, Oh, I'll check that movie out or I'll check that thing out or whatever, you know? So, yeah. Is that something you guys include like in your liner notes or anything? If people want to look up who that is or. Yeah. Yeah. And we also have like a reading list as well. So so we tried to do the whole, uh, the whole propaganda thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah, track number eight, The Shine. It's a very dynamic song with a bit more space to it, some more ups and downs. How do songs like this come about that seem to have, you know, a lot more feel to them, so to speak? That one was interesting because it was like we we almost didn't know what to do with it because it was so kind of weird. Like it it almost didn't make I don't want to say it didn't make sense, but it was almost just I don't know. There was a lot of weird feelings about it. But I think in the end we got we got we got a really cool song out of it. It was very, that that's the one I would, that was like so unexpected for me. And then I was like, damn this thing, like normally the way I put it, it's like, and this is so stupid, but it's like, it's generally the case. It's like, if you, if you're working on a song and like, it takes you more than like a minute, some people say even less like 30 seconds yeah. for you figure out like if you if you're working on a song and you get stuck and you don't figure it out within 30 seconds take that thing and just get it out of here and work Mm. on something you know what i mean and and i used to think like that's insane but the 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 older i get and the more songs i write and the more albums i write um i've realized it's kind of true you know what i mean 
So it's like, and then you can be working on a song sometimes you can just feel it pulling you down its rabbit hole. Cause then once you, for at least for me personally, once I start getting, because this, you also have to be self-aware of the kind of band you are. Once you start getting into the weeds on like, oh, this song can be anything, you're, you're just fucked. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're just so fucked. Like, I, once you start, oh, we can have a, you know, a choir here and a kazoo here and an oboe player who's going to, like, it's like, once you start doing all that shit, it's like, just stop. Like, we're not the Beatles, you know what I mean? Like, we're... We're a fucking metalcore band. Like, yeah, it's we've had cello, we've had live cellist and ch- cello and shit, and like we've had a saxophone. Like, yeah, we go out of the box for sure. But like, you don't really want to get into the weeds on a song. And the shine was a song that we got into the weeds on, and I was just like, it's so rare that you make it back from that place. Mm. And why the shine to me is always going to be like an one of the outstanding songs of the record, just because like, man, that that song took us on a ride. And we managed to somehow get it back to a, a place that's like not only just good, but like a great song to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's cool to, you know, to know one, you know, how far you can kind of experiment with, with the sound of your band or what people expect, but also sure. to do it just to be like, you know what, like this is my creativity, my artistry, like, you know, even if it's just for you or for the band, like it's still worth doing. And so, yeah, I, I'm always happy when i see bands you know pursuing those things where it's not just about you know maybe what's expected or what the fans want like you guys are making the music that you want hopefully and so it's good to have those opportunities where it's like okay like you know maybe it's a hit maybe it's a miss you don't really know until it's you know out for a year or or however long um it's still worth it right so that's 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 cool a hit or a miss regardless as long as it feels right to you that's yeah that's the ultimately have to go by i think you know yeah yeah and track nine instruments of the end i just have heavier darker moodier (laughs) (laughs) what what inspired this song uh i think that's another one that was like it was like uh a bunch of riffs that kind of just got smashed together and i didn't know if we were going to be able to make it work and and uh that one ended up being really uh a really cool song i i I love that song that's like that's just like it's like a fun song you know i mean i'm never bored in it you know what I mean? So, yeah, I like that one as well. Track 10, Father. Most of the song is pretty atmospheric in sound, with the vocals being a bit more in the background of the song. Uh, what can you share about um, the meaning or inspiration behind this one? Sure. So this song was actually written by our guitar player, Chris. He obviously wrote all the music, but he wrote all the lyrics as well. And oh, then, cool. Because it's about him, him losing his dad recently, mm. and so he needed to express that. And he wanted me to sing it. And I was like, dude, I think that, I think you have to, like, I think you, this is something that you gotta, you gotta do and you gotta get out. And I feel like it's, it's important part of like, it's important. It's important to me. It's like an important part of the song. Like it wasn't even me trying to be like, Oh, I don't feel comfortable with that. I was like, it'll be more impactful. You know what I mean? If, if, if Chris does it. And so the song, the whole entire song is basically just him. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he, he, he sang on that one too at the very end when he, it gets like melodic and there's like these woes and stuff and there's like this like talk screaming kind of shit that's yeah. me I, I did that um but he did he did basically everything yeah and how was that process for him i mean i, I know you can only speak so much on his behalf but did it seem like you know that was therapeutic for him and he was kind of open to it and oh yeah i i think it took him a little convincing to to uh to for him to sing it i think he felt maybe a little bit out of his comfort zone with that but he's he's awesome like he's such a great like 
he's got a great scream and like, he's got, his lyrics are cool. And, you know, I think he's, he's, he's very talented. You know what I mean? And I, I I just think that sometimes, especially, especially when he's out of his comfort zone, he can lack confidence, but that's just like, that's just like anyone. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it it plays well with this song. Cause yeah, like I said, the vocals are a little bit more in the background. Like it's a little bit more, um, kind of atmospheric sounding. So it's not super upfront. So like, I I don't know that I would have picked out that it wasn't, it wasn't you singing, so I guess that, that that's good on his part. Track 11 is More of Us Than Them, um, another kind of more dynamic song with a very kind of emotional feel to it. Uh, what's the inspiration behind uh, the lyrics and the, the feel to this one? So, yeah, this one was actually um, written around the, the – there's like a breakdown at the end that um, – so Tom Searle, who used to play guitar he, he, in uh, uh, the band Architects, yeah, he – uh, he when when he was still with us when he was still alive uh we we toured together a lot we became just really close with architects and tom had tom had sent me an email um being like hey i was just messing around writing like architect songs and i wrote this breakdown and 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 he was like i think i wrote it and it sounds like this because we just got off tour together he was like uh-huh. it's, it's, it's cool. a little bit too your guns he's like so if you want to use it um you totally can and so wow. he said it's and uh you know we we loved it. It's really good. And it, it, it's funny. I, I can see, I disagree that it's too stick to your guns, but I can see what he's saying. Um, because, you know, stick to your guns is just a rip off of a million other things. You know what I mean? That's the nature of this yeah, music. Yeah, fair I, enough. I guess any music, but um, uh, yeah. And so we, we tried to use it a couple times and then we figured, you know, after his passing and after everything that like architects has been through and like, you know, even our band's, getting closer together we're like this would be really cool and chris was like okay i have this breakdown i've been trying to make it work in a song like a th- like so many different times he's like this will be the last time he's hmm. like i'll do one more shot and if i can make it happen then we'll we'll, we'll do it and then he ended up everything else besides that last breakdown was just chris kind of coming up with shit to try to make that that one part work and uh i think he came up with a really cool song and uh you can kind of tell the difference between chris's writing style and josh's writing style where like josh wrote like hush and he wrote um uh open up my head and he wrote uh instruments of the end he's like you know a little bit more like not that they're not complicated songs but they're more straightforward and they're more like kind of in your face where chris is really like more technical guitar playing you know what i mean so um yeah but that's not to say that they each can't do each other's thing it's just what your tendency is you know what i mean yeah Yeah, that's that's really that's really cool I, i love that inspiration of taking something and i'm sure that would have kind of eaten away at you if you hadn't used it or maybe you'd use it another time but i'm sure it kind of feels yeah. good to be like okay we finally made that work like yeah. you can kind of move on maybe even brings a little bit of closure you know to losing a friend or just kind yeah. of being able to honor honor him with that yeah it's really cool and then the closing track no way to live uh, this is a really beautiful acoustic song a nice way to end an album uh, you know that feels pretty heavy overall musically and lyrically um yeah what what inspired closing out the album with a song like this i think it's like kind of like how can i say this i didn't do it i, I don't want to say like i want to say we did it because we can get away with it but that's not like the reason you know what i mean yeah. it's like the, the reason is is like that was a song that was important to me and i kind of showed it to the band and the band was like yeah like if that's something you got to say and 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 that's how you want to say it then 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 do that you know what i mean like i'm sure i could have turned that subject matter into a hardcore song you know what i mean but i think that this was like the appropriate medium in which i i wanted to express um express these 
the 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 lyrics i guess or the 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 subject matter and uh you know the band was really supportive of that you know yeah yeah and i I mean it really does lend to the album i mean there are definitely albums where it's like okay they're ending with an acoustic song um but like i said with this one like it almost just gives you that like time to breathe and it's like okay like it kind of just opens up to to really take this last song in and and, you know by the end it's like okay then you're ready to go back to track one but yeah it definitely adds to the overall feel of the album yeah and i've kind of given up on the i've given up on the like need i guess that artists feel to not be predictable you know what i mean it's like who gives a shit you know what i'm saying yeah that's true it's ridiculous. It's like if I go to eat, if I go buy ice cream from the store and it's like mint chocolate chip or whatever, and I go to open it up and it's like some other flavor just because like the fucking ice cream company yeah. wanted to be, <laughs> you know, like artsy or whatever. It's just yeah. like, I'd be fucking, <laughs> yeah, fucking pissed. And it's like, you know, this isn't some avant-garde, like this isn't God's Godspeed black emperor you know what i mean it's fucking it's stick to your guns like it's it's a metalcore band and uh that that has a lot of melodic influence you know what i mean and so it's like that's why we're i i i almost like to me now like being predictable or being too cliche is like is almost like the anti-cliche you know what i mean yeah yeah no that's that's a great way to sum that up yeah so to end you know if, if a listener was to take one thing away after listening to this new album what would you hope it would be that we still care really ultimately you know what i mean because it's like at this at this point in time there's a lot of bands who i feel like are putting out uninspired music and that's not even necessarily to say bad you know what i mean like yeah, i no, just i get that me personally i just fuck with people who just like give a shit about what they're doing you know what i mean and it's like i live in los angeles where the like where the cool thing to be is like ironic and like pretend like you don't give a shit you know what i mean like to act like yeah i'm in a band and i know that's dumb it's just like you know what i mean is i just feel i i genuinely am from the 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 understanding where it's like if you're gonna do something like do it you know what i mean like try hard it's not corny to try hard it's not corny to care about what you're doing you know what i mean um so yeah that's 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 what i hope people get away with it uh, get away from it especially after all this time we still care you know what i mean so it's like i hope that that comes through well as a listener i, I can definitely say that that it comes across pretty easily that's that you guys care about this you know from from the music to the lyrics to the themes to how everything's put together it's, it's pretty easy to see how much you guys care about this and again after you know six albums this being your seventh like that, that's pretty amazing to to still care about it and to still have things to say and, and be passionate about this. So I, yeah, I really thank you for your time today. Hope nothing for the best for you guys in the upcoming year touring, uh, stay safe out there and, uh, would love to see you actually, I know. So this is, you guys were recently kind of close to me. Um, you guys were in Edmonton, uh, with Pennywise rise against, Yeah, I was, I was heading to Edmonton that day. I didn't even actually know about the show and then uh, my buddy told me, and I was like, I don't even know if we're going to get into the city in time. And then I heard Rise Against canceled, so I just thought the show was done. But then I heard you guys and Pennywise still ended up playing somewhere. And it was just this whole, like, ah, crap, like, you know, so <laughs> close. I've never seen Pennywise before. And uh, so, anyways, if you guys make yeah. it back up here, I would love to see you guys again live. But, yeah, Jesse, thanks so much for taking the time to share uh, the new album. Uh, by the time this comes out, will be out on Pure Noise. So if you haven't gone and listened to Spectre, please go check it out. It is awesome. There's a lot to take away from it. So thank you so much, Jesse, and I uh, hope you guys have an awesome um, upcoming year. Thank you. Appreciate you, Brad. Thank you so much. Yeah.